The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines. This holiday season, Delta will handle 22 million checked bags. They're giving you the power to track your bags every step of the way with RFID technology in the Fly Delta app. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 19th. In today's news, the Senate passes sweeping sentencing reform. The Donald J. Trump Foundation dissolves amid an investigation into self-dealing. And the president blinks on the border wall. But first, the big idea. In a stunning development, a federal judge delayed sentencing Michael Flynn on Tuesday and seemed inclined to send him to prison even after special counsel Bob Mueller recommended that he be spared. The judge suggested that President Trump's former national security advisor may have betrayed his country, even using the word treason, by acting on behalf of a foreign government. This remarkable news means that Mueller's engagement with Flynn will continue for months, leaving him to wonder whether he will serve hard time. Flynn's attorneys requested the delay after the judge's opinion became apparent. They hope that further cooperation with law enforcement may earn the court's mercy. From the start, District Judge Emmett Sullivan, who was first put on the bench by Ronald Reagan, made clear that he was infuriated by Flynn's conduct, both in lying to the FBI while in one of the most important jobs in government, and also in working to secretly advance the interests of the Turkish government while serving as a top advisor to the Trump campaign. The judge seemed to take particular umbrage at the suggestion made by Flynn and his supporters just before the sentencing that he had somehow been duped by the FBI. To underscore his point, Sullivan forced Flynn to admit publicly that he knew lying to the FBI was a felony and that he was guilty of it. Later, the judge pointed to an American flag in his D.C. courtroom as he berated the former three-star general. Sullivan said, quote, arguably you sold your country out, end quote. Flynn, standing straight and flanked by attorneys, looked shaken. His jaw clenched. The upbraiding surprised many of the retired general supporters who had predicted the judge would throw out Flynn's guilty plea and clear his name. Instead, the 71-year-old veteran jurist used his platform to puncture conspiracy theories that paint Flynn as a victim of deep state persecution. And he reminded the country of a few simple creeds commonly held in courthouses, but increasingly dismissed by this president's allies. Lying to the FBI is against the law breaking the law is bad. People who work in the White House are supposed to be held to a higher standard. Then, late last night, Judge Sullivan fired another shot at Flynn, ensuring that he understood he'll be treated like any other defendant. Noting that there have been no restrictions on Flynn's travel until now, Sullivan wrote in an order that beginning January 4th, the former general will no longer be allowed to travel more than 50 miles outside Washington, D.C. without his permission. He will also have to surrender his passport, which, unlike most people charged with these kinds of crimes, he had been allowed to keep. The message? In America, no one is above the law. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, the Senate overwhelmingly passed a criminal justice bill aimed at reducing mandatory minimum sentences and allowing inmates the opportunity to get out of prison earlier. The First Step Act passed on a vote of 87 to 12, with dozens of Republicans, including longtime holdout Mitch McConnell, joining all 49 members of the Democratic caucus to approve the measure. Some GOP supporters fear this could leave them vulnerable to charges of being soft on crime. 
The Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley from Iowa tried to allay those concerns shortly before the final vote, stressing that Trump wants to be tough on crime, but fair on crime. Grassley added that the president told him personally that he had his, quote, pen ready to sign this bill. It will revise several sentencing laws that are on the books, including reducing the three strikes penalty for drug felonies from life behind bars to 25 years. It would also retroactively limit the disparity in sentencing guidelines between crack and powder cocaine offenses, which would affect about 2,000 current federal inmates. It also overhauls the federal prison system to help inmates earn reduced sentences and lower recidivism rates. A different version passed the House earlier this year, so the House will need to pass this latest draft before it can be sent to the president for his signature. The House is expected to do so later this week, and House Speaker Paul Ryan has expressed support for what passed the Senate. Number two, New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood announced that Trump has agreed to shut down his personal charity amid allegations of misused funds. She said the Donald J. Trump Foundation is dissolving as her office continues to pursue its lawsuit against the charity, Trump himself, and his three eldest children. The suit filed back in June alleged persistently illegal conduct at the foundation. Underwood, a Democrat, is continuing to seek more than $2.8 million in restitution and has asked a judge to ban the Trumps from being able to serve on the boards of other New York nonprofit organizations. Underwood said yesterday that her investigation of the charity, which Trump started back in 1987, found, quote, a shocking pattern of illegality, including unlawful coordination with the Trump presidential campaign, repeated and willful self-dealing, and much more. End quote. In a court filing in New York, Underwood says the foundation's remaining $1.7 million will be distributed to other charities that have been approved by her office and a state judge. It's a reminder that with Trump, you've always got to follow the money. Money motivates him. On a related note, CNN reported last night that contrary to the claims of his lawyer Rudy Giuliani, Trump did in fact sign a letter of intent to move forward with plans to build a Trump Tower in Moscow while he was an active candidate for the president and denying that he had any business relationships with Russia. Trump signed the letter that set the stage for negotiations for Trump condos, a hotel and commercial property in the heart of Moscow, right next to the Kremlin. He signed it on October 28, 2015. On Sunday, Giuliani was adamant that Trump never signed such a letter. Meanwhile, the Trump organization appears to be exploring a deal in the Dominican Republic, raising fresh concerns about the president's conflicts of interest. The nonprofit group Global Witness sent an undercover investigator to see if they could learn more. This person captured undercover recording of a sales agent in the Cap Cana Resort describing a Trump-branded condominium project under development for a new beachfront location. The Trump administration and the Trump organization have claimed that there are no new foreign development deals in the works. Number three, Trump has abandoned his demand for $5 billion in border wall funding as congressional Republicans scramble to avoid a partial government shutdown at the end of the week. It's a stunning turnaround from a week ago when Trump told Democratic congressional leaders during that bizarre on-camera sparring match that he would, quote, be proud to shut down the government to get money for the wall. Instead, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said Tuesday that Trump does not want to shut down and will identify what she called other ways to fund a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. But the concession by the president, which came after lawmakers from both parties told him that there are not the votes to get his wall money, will not break the impasse that's overtaken Capitol Hill in the final days of unified GOP control. 
Democrats rejected the Republican spending offer made shortly after Trump's retreat on the wall, and Congress appears headed toward the least common denominator solution, as it always seems to do. A short-term funding extension that would keep the government open for a period of weeks and then hand Democrats the responsibility of passing a more lasting fix once they take control in January of the House. But it's uncertain whether the president would sign this measure, and the overall outcome is impossible to predict given Trump's tendency to swiftly embrace new demands and discard old ones. Meanwhile, the war over immigration policy rages on. A group of House Democrats denounced the conditions of a New Mexico border patrol station that they toured following the death of a seven-year-old migrant girl in U.S. custody. The congressional delegation, led by members of the House Hispanic Caucus, described a facility jam-packed with families, lacking sufficient medical care, and poorly equipped to care for kids. Congressman Al Green from Texas said the only reason the facility is still open as it is right now is because cameras aren't allowed inside. When Green spoke to my colleague Nick Miroff, who was forced to wait outside the station 90 miles north of the border along Interstate 10, he described the situation this way. Green said he saw scores of children stacked in holding cells and huddled in foil blankets on concrete floors alongside toilets lacking privacy screens. Elsewhere, there are signs that this administration can be shamed into action if enough public pressure is brought to bear. A Yemeni woman who was being blocked from entering the United States due to Trump's travel ban has been granted a visa to come say goodbye to her dying two-year-old son in California. The 21-year-old woman has been living in Egypt, but she's a citizen of Yemen, one of several majority Muslim countries targeted under Trump's ban. Her husband is a U.S. citizen and a resident of Stockton, California. The two met in Yemen, were married in February 2016, and soon had their son, Abdullah. But the boy was born with a degenerative brain disorder, which caused him to experience seizures and other symptoms as an infant. The boy has been getting treatment at the University of California in San Francisco, one of the best hospitals in the world. Doctors there sent letters to the embassy in Cairo about Abdullah's dire health. Publicity over the situation and pressure from congressional Democrats mounted over the weekend and has culminated in the administration relenting. She'll be allowed a brief stay. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 19th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.